subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. He's got a few miles left, knock on wood. He's a three-legged dog, but he's still Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripods Blogs community at tripods.com. Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. Oh, that's silly, Jerry. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Tuesday, April... 3rd, 2018, and this is Tripod Talk Radio. Today we are going to get a little technical about the science behind something fascinating that can help with your pet's pain management, and yours too. You you can't see them, you can't smell or hear them, but EMFs are everywhere. Electromagnetic fields are invisible forces that emanate from all electronic devices, and they're all around us. These EMFs have have been proven to acerbate symptoms of chronic pain, phantom limb pain, in in both people and pets. And they may even create problems for people and animals with compromised immune systems. Sound crazy? Well, we have a leading expert on the subject here to answer all your questions. Dr. Don Nixdorf is here with us to explain EMF, its source, effects, and most importantly, how we can manage their impact on our health and the comfort of our pets. Dr. Nixdorf is a chiropractor, 2018 TEDx speaker, and advisor for Ferroblock Development Corporation, producers of the Ferroblock Medical Aid that reduces exposure to high-frequency electromagnetic fields. He will help us understand how limiting, limiting exposure to EMFs can have a profound impact on injury recovery, amputee phantom pain, and chronic pain. Now, there's proven science behind this, but we also have Tripods member Holly joining us today, who will discuss the real-world results she personally witnessed when her three-legged cat, Perkins, developed some mysterious pain symptoms and was then introduced to the ferroblocked EMF shielding blanket. We've got a lot to cover here, so let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi, this is Renee. Thank you so much for being here, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, we uh, we want to have just a, a, a conversation here about about this subject because it's something that's just fascinated us for a long time. And um, I'm going to start with um, Dr. Nick Dorf, and then Holly will um, will ask you some questions about your experience too in just a bit. Um, but first, Dr. Nick, Dr. Nick starts. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your upcoming TEDx talk? And um, really, I just I'd like to know how you became interested in in how high EMFs impact us and our animals. Well, thanks, uh, thanks Renee, and thanks Holly, and uh, to our host on the radio program. It's, it's always enjoyable to talk to you and your listeners, and I hope we can give them some great information today that helps not only their pets but perhaps themselves as well. So as was mentioned, I am a practicing chiropractor here in Vancouver, British Columbia. And about 18 years ago, I was attending some meetings, and one of the people there was involved in this new technology, which is actually a fabric technology. And he said, had I heard about Ferroblock? And I said, no, not yet. 
And then he proceeded to explain to me about electromagnetic fields and frequencies. So I got involved with the issue first, uh, the first eight or nine years, I think it was, most in the research area, and then became more formally involved with the company and continuing to do research, including at uh, Vidant uh, Hospital in, I think it's North Carolina, where they did research on the phantom limb pain of amputees, uh, particularly diabetic amputees, which is even more difficult and a challenge, and the phantom limb pain that amputees experience, as well as the wound healing that resulted during that trial. So the issue here is what are electromagnetic fields? So first of all, it's part of our normal planet environment, meaning the planet has its own electromagnetic fields. And I would encourage listeners later to simply go on Google and type in some of these key words. So electromagnetic fields, if you think of magnetism as those doors that won't open unless you push a button, uh, electromagnetic fields are part of the planet's iron core as the planet spins. And ever since we started capturing raindrops behind dams creating electricity, electricity creates electromagnetic fields. So in animals, for example, birds will navigate their way around the planet following electromagnetic fields, and you'll find lots of discussion how animals are sensitive to things that humans aren't. And I'll leave it to you and some of your listeners to have more expertise on that matter. But when it comes to electromagnetic fields, people need to realize it's common in your everyday environment, first produced by electrical fields and currents as electricity moves through your house. But where this issue has become uh, in the forefront, it started in the mid-80s around uh, humans' amputations above knee, below knee, above elbow, below elbow. And these people experience, 80% of them experience these sharp shooting pains, which when you go into research or Google up uh, phantom limb pain, you'll see a tremendous amount of discussion on it. So the point here is that this equally occurs in, in animals who may have to be have one leg or more amputated, and the owners and the veterinarians will be clearly aware of the animal's sharp discomfort, twitches, yelping, or other expressions of pain. So the technology is to remove a certain frequency of EMF. So think of it like sunlight. Sunlight, if you're in the sunlight for a little bit, you get a nice tan. If you're in it for too long, you risk skin cancer. If you're really into a long time as well, your skin gets kind of wrinkly and leathered. So if you understand that sunlight is something you can feel, giving you warmth, EMFs are also part of the environment. And with all the technology we have today, computers, modems, wearable technology, smart devices, what people forget is that these things communicate with each other, and they communicate over electromagnetic fields known radio frequencies. So EMF is, a, is an energy field. It's created by the planet. It's created by electricity, and it's used by our electronic devices to communicate. So what we found with these electromagnetic fields is that they interfere in the tissue's ability to heal. So, for example, taking the amputees, clearly people don't have amputations because of EMF, but we found that the EMF fields and frequencies in the high frequency, um, they interfere in the tissue recovery. So I'm, I'm maybe losing some of the listeners here by rambling a bit. So um, it's normal. It's in the environment. It's produced by all of our electronic devices, computers, modems, 
and all the Fitbits that we wear. And when you have an injury, a burn, an amputation, or other uh, trauma, if you will, if you shield or remove the body or the animal's exposure to the high EMF, they will not only have their wounds heal faster, but those phantom limb pains that they're getting will start to decrease. Wow, you certainly did not lose me at all. This is this is really interesting stuff. So, so let me let me back up for a minute. So, with all of the devices that we have in our homes now, you, um, you know, I've got a, a cellular booster here. I've got three laptops, an iPad. I've got all you know all, all the gadgets and things. Are we creating more EMF each time we add a new device into our home? Um, yes, we are, um, but we're, we're not creating more frequencies, but we're creating more devices that generate a frequency. So if you take the word Bluetooth, for example, Bluetooth operates at a frequency, and that frequency that it operates is called 2.4 gigahertz. So as listeners think about this EMF, they need to know that EM, electromagnetic fields in the household that is measured are around 60 hertz, HZ. Then it goes up to megahertz, MHZ, and then gigahertz is a higher number. So when you look at the range of fields, of electromagnetic fields, if you Google it on the computer, it is this high range which is common to modems, wearable technology. So if you're walking around with a Fitbit and you say, well, how does that send the information to my computer? Well, it does so over these high frequencies. So as we continue to live, we, we used to type a keyboard and get you know letters on a piece of paper. Now we type a keyboard and we see information on a screen, but also those computers are also going to communicate with other devices. So everything that is communicating is has to have an electromagnetic field to send the images, energy, and communication to another device. So as we see in technology today, we will continue to live in an ever-expanding environment that has electronic devices, driverless cars, things called Alexa or Echo, things that don't even have a name yet that will be coming out. And we're going from keyboards to artificial intelligence, and one day they'll have a device that will read your thoughts and cause something to occur. And all of that requires communication, and this is in the high electromagnetic frequency area that we're talking about. And it's the, think of it as perhaps the dark side of technology's communication. All of the technology has to communicate, but here we now have research that shows that that technology does impact the cells of our bodies and as well as our animal pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely uh, coming to us at a cost, all of these conveniences. So we, we see phantom limb pain all the time in, in our, our tripod members. And for a long time, um, you know, the, the veteran community didn't even believe that it existed. But I think a lot of vets, most of them now are in agreement that it does, that animals do experience it just like humans. Can you tell us what is the latest research that you've discovered that um, connects the exposure to high EMFs and, and phantom pain, and how does all of that um, correspond with Ferroblox's ability to um, work as, as a pain relief uh, product in, in people and animals? The, the original research started around the, the subject of phantom pain. So if any of your listeners uh, are aware of their own pets or they know of a friend who's had an amputation, when the limb is cut off, 
there's obviously all the wound has to heal. But immediately the, the person or the animal starts to experience these sharp shooting pains. So the original research from the 80s identified a way to try to reduce them. And it was noted that when atmospheric changes occur, so for example, when you get a cold weather front with rain or snow, people with arthritic injuries in joints uh, and also people with amputations, they will also experience more frequent episodes of these sharp shooting pains. So this was observed in the, in the 80s. And the technology was evolved so that it was the shielding. It was eventually understood that there's an electromagnetic field frequency, high frequency, in this case, 1 gigahertz, 2 gigahertz, anything in the high range. So the object was, how do we shield that part of the body that has the injury? So a fabric technology was developed by Farabach uh, inventor, Mr. Frieder Kempe. And the technology was really quite simple. How do we shield from the high EMF? So today there's a fabric technology which is wrapped around the limb of the below knee, above knee, or the ankle, the elbow, wherever the amputation was occur. So think of it as having just a sock, just a simple fabric like a sock that is placed over the limb or in the case of some of the, the dogs that we've seen and helped with, they just lay their body on it. So the, the shielding is of the high EMF. It blocks the body's exposure to it, and the tissue literally heals faster in these, episodes, in these examples, as well as the phantom limb pain decreases. The, the notable area, the, I think it's the Association of uh, Orthopedic Prosthetics Association, um, they, their journal published the findings from uh, Helen Houston, occupational therapist at Vidant Hospital in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, I think it was. As a Canadian, I get confused with these things, so I apologize to your listeners. <laughs> and um, so they can go online and Google up um, Ferroblock, EMF, and they'll see the published research. In fact, if they go to the research page, it's F-A-R-A. B-L-O-C forward slash research. So mm -hmm. we are doing trials all the time to recruit new research and new patients to explore the different conditions and including, you know, pet owners to explore the different conditions that we find that the absence of high EMF allows cells and tissues to recover faster. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you for explaining that. So, so this leads us to our, our conversation with you, Holly, because um, you have an interesting uh, situation there. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about your cat, Perkins. Um, tell us a little bit about him. Just how old is he and, and what led to his amputation? Uh, Perkins is a ginger tabby kitty. He's seven and a half. He lost his left front leg at age six due to soft tissue sarcoma. Um, Perkins did great in recovery until day six, and we had to stretch out his pain meds. Um, mm -hmm. Cats are just not sent home with enough pain meds. It's common around here. Um, he was yep. in pain. He meowed, growled, and hissed at me. Would not let me near him. Uh, we called the surgeon, and he agreed we needed a refill on his medication. Uh, the rest of the recovery went great. Um, he was on 14 days of gabapentin and 12 days of buprofen, then to acupuncture to help him get off his meds and heal. And then we continue to take Perkins for acupuncture. 
so he was getting some really great pain relief once it got, all got figured out and, and yeah, know, getting. I mean, it couldn't have went better if we would have came home with the right amount of pain medication. I think we would have sailed right through it. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. But he was really, really a, a fortunate cat to be able to um, to have somebody as in tune like you, and, and you were able to get him the right kinds of, of pain relief. Um, but none of this led to to Theroblock for a while um, because. Um, apparently, he didn't have phantom limb pain until a long time after surgery. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it was a year and a half post-amp. Um, wow. Well, Perkins had a tw- has always had a twitch after his amp, and we asked about the twitch, and the vet said it, um, you know, it wasn't concerning at the time. It didn't look like it was painful. He said it was just the brain still sending signals to the arm. And then in November... Uh, 2017, the twitch became more frequent and more intense. Um, then mm-hmm. Perkins had his first episode of phantom limb pain a year and a half post-op. He was sleeping, and out of the blue, he woke up like something zapped him. He jumped mm-hmm. out of his bed, and he started to go after where his arm used to be, aggressively licking, biting, and scratching. It was just like he was attacking where his arm used to, you know, used to be. Wow. Uh, I, t- I tried to massage him, and he didn't want any part of that. Um, I gave him a homeopathic remedy um, for nerve pain, and this happened several times, not always while sleeping. It was just, we just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we immediately started questioning what has changed and why is it happening now, and we called the vet and took him for acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And did that help? The acupuncture? Yeah, the acupuncture mm-hmm. helped. Um, and when we uh, talked to the vet about what was going on, um, he wanted to know what has changed since the last time, you know, we had seen him. And we told him um, in, that the smart meter was installed. And Dr. Matt does believe the late onset has to do with um, a smart being installed on a home. The only change in the house was everything else was fine. We, you know, we were going to acupuncture every three months of tune-ups. This happened in between a three-month tune-up. Mm-hmm. So um, a, a smart meter, like um, the thing the power company installs to read your yes. electricity usage? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Interesting. So, Dr. Nixdorf, what would a, uh, what would that device have to do with high EMS? Well, smart meters have to send uh, information. So anything that's an electronic device, computers, modems, wearable technology, smart devices, and smart meters, for example, they, they gather information, but they transmit it. So when you think of all these things that are created, everything has to transmit the information somewhere, and that uses the high EMF band. So the smart meter, for a brief moment or whatever period of time it operates, it sends the message, it sends the information it's gathering about the power consumption in our house and it sends that to a collecting area, but it has to send it electronically, and it's not connected by a wire. It's pulsing that information, in this case, the high EMF band. So I found it really interesting that Holly observed, and it may well be that other people will observe their their pets who have otherwise been stable start to react around the time a smart meter is installed. We certainly hear reports about humans having effects but I don't think they're being, uh, the, the information is being gathered well enough to analyze the frequency and the type of responses. So Holly's uh, experience with her, with her cat is extremely significant. 
Yeah, I, I thought, thought so too, I bought the, is, I'm sorry, Renee. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, no, go ahead. I I just thought it was really really interesting, and and you're, it's the first report that we had at Tripods of, of something like this happening. So that was the reason why we wanted to to talk about this um, this issue again, um, and and, and Sarah Block. Um, so so Holly, go on. What were you going to say? Well, I just I agree. I find it also I find it really interesting that it was a year and you know a year and a half post stamp, and but it's very unheard of to have like late onset, and that's the only thing that changed. And mm-hmm. I also get migraines, and it's those have increased since this has Whoa. been installed. So there, there's a whole lot more going on than you know. I just I don't understand if it's the EMF have gone to an intolerable level in this house mm-hmm. now. Is that you know, that's part I don't really understand. It just went to one, we can tolerate a certain level, and then it gets to a level where we can't. Or is it because that's what I was the smart thinking. meter, yeah, or the smart meter is constantly transmitting? Mm-hmm. I, sure. I wonder, um, Dr. Nixor, could it have been, like, just one device that, that gets added to a household that, like, pushes the EMFs over the top for certain uh, more sensitive people? Is that how, what could have happened? The Well, EMF, whether it's the smart meter or anything else, everything communicates via these microwaves, and I don't mean a microwave oven, but microwaves, mm-hmm. electromagnetic fields and frequencies. And our tissue does react to electromagnetic fields and frequencies, and it reacts to different ranges. So let me give an example of a range. A range of electromagnetic frequency is normally measured around household current at 60 hertz. But at the, at the far right, the far extreme high end, it's an X-ray machine. So if you have very, very low frequency, it actually shows as being therapeutic as hospitals will use very low frequency to help bone fractures heal. But if you go to the very far high end of it, then you've got X-ray, which is obviously is harmful if done to an extreme, if you have a whole bunch of CT exams in one year. So... We're seeing what what fails to be understood clearly is that electromagnetic fields are in different ranges or frequency. Just like you see, um, well, what would be an example? Like radio stations are on different frequencies, so 600, uh, 900, 1410. These are different wavelengths and and frequencies that the the, uh, information flows over. So Mm -hmm. the smart meters are emitting a, a frequency uh, modems are emitting a frequency. So we're having situations where our homes are more exposed all the, are exposed all the time to more devices emitting frequencies as well as different frequencies. So in this case, people are experiencing changes that they didn't have before. So the logical thing is to analyze what else is different in your environment. Ah, and um, I appreciate you explaining the difference between the, the types of frequencies because I was going to ask you about uh, a product like the CC Loop, another um, pain relief product. But that one uses um, what they call targeted pulsed electromagnetic fields, which I assume are very, very low frequency um, EMFs to to help with um, healing and pain relief. Is, have you heard of that product? Azizi is not the, is, uh, the product itself. Azizi, the brand name of the pulsing electromagnetic frequency device. Um, Azizi is, well, I would interpret that as a manufacturer of one uh, pulsing EMF. Now, the the just so listeners don't get confused, 
here's where we have to go back and remember that there's different frequencies of electromagnetic fields. It's the high frequency that if you remove the high frequency from injured tissue, it responds and heals faster. Now we have low frequency, and ironically, low frequency is what is usually measured around power lines to see if there's any ill effects of any kind. But hospitals, if you research pulsing low EMF, uh, we'll find that some hospitals in their orthopedic wards will have an electronic device and it pulses low frequency. So low frequency Mm -hmm. is already associated with helping fractures to heal that previously didn't. So now there's this company that is also produced for animals, a device Mm -hmm. that creates a low frequency. And low frequency has been demonstrated to be helpful, and the absence of high frequency has also been demonstrated to be helpful. Got it. Okay, thank you for for clarifying. Um, so, so Holly, getting back to your story, um, you I know you're very savvy about your your pet's healthcare needs, and when you first heard about the idea of of removing or blocking EMS, um, did that seem to make sense to you, or, or how did that um, strike you? Did you talk to your vet about it, and if so, what, what did they think? It does make sense to me. Um, I read about all this before Perkins amputation, and I'm open-minded to all things possible, I guess. I believe, you know, when we have something new happening, we need to look at everything around us and, you know, what's changed. Um, we did talk to the vet about it and took Perkins in when it first started happening, and although he was surprised, it was happening as far as he said it, it can happen at any time. Um, mm-hmm. So he said if the acupuncture didn't relieve his symptoms, we would have to relook at taking the gabapentin. Um, and uh, we talked to him about the um, Fairblock and the EMFs and all that, and he wasn't aware of the Fairblock blanket, but you know, he, he firmly believes this is, for Perkins' case, this is what the late onset was from. Um, and we told him, you know, we were going to try the blanket and explained it to him, and he was unaware, unaware of the product, but we did the research and wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. It's given him, I mean, it's our answer. So that's, you know, really what's, what, what more happened. Well, Perkins was drawn to the blanket right out of the, right out of the envelope. It was really bizarre. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it was, it was something to see. I, I I didn't have to try it on him. He took right to it. He followed it around the house when I moved it. Um, <laughs> he was a lot. He, it was. It was just nuts. And the other cat, we have another cat, Perkins' brother, and he followed it too. So, um, really, I put it in the hallway where no cat, you know, no cat would normally lay because it's too busy there. And they both, they both laid on it. So, <laughs> you know, Holly. Holly has yes. mentioned something that is really important in, in research and in evidence. People are saying, well, is there any evidence? Well, first of all, the short mm-hmm. answer is yes. So whether you want mm-hmm. to do research trials or the thing with Holly and Perkins, you, can't, you don't have to worry about a placebo. The animal is not concerned about a placebo or real. Right. The animal can tell immediately, and I had to chuckle when Holly mentioned the story about Perkins pulling it out of the envelope, because we have dog owners who describe incredible stories 
that when the blanket is laid on the on the bed, for example, the dog will jump up on the bed, and I don't imagine Perkins would too if if the dog can get up there, and they'll push the owner's legs aside so the dog can actually be laying right over top of the sheet. <laughs> Anyone who has these these uh, this technology or has purchased this from uh, tripods, they can do a simple experiment around the house. Put the put the uh, fabric under a towel and and see if the if your pet will go to the right towel under which the ferro block lies so you know perkins example of wanting to get at this fabric that that's just a great example of you know research trial i i loved i loved hearing about that it, it blew my mind and it was um, like we said perkins was the first uh, feline who has tried it that we know of and um we've gotten good feedback from um, Holly, have you used it on yourself for your migraines? I'm just curious. Well, I tried it one time. Honestly, I took it. Um, <laughs> I took it and put it on my head, and there's so uh-huh. much cat hair on it. It was burning my eyes, so I had to take it off. So I, if I have to do that, I'd have to get my own. <laughs> I mean, Perkins is on it. I mean, every day. That's where you can find him. And his wow. his, his his amputated side is always on on the blanket. Um, wow. And I'd love to take the smart meter off the house, and that's something we've talked about now. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see if it all stops. But um, is, it, is it optional to do that with your power company? Will they let you? Yeah, it'll cost us, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow, house, really? You know? Yeah, we, we just looked into it. Yeah, yep, $123 will take it off and charge $10 a month. Oh, my gosh, that's um, insane. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were going to charge us if we didn't allow it to come on the house. And then, and then, mm-hmm. well, I know that's that's happening all over the country, and um, I think uh, our, our more of our community members are going to be reporting situations like this. Is is my bet? Um, yeah, I'm, I I'm agree. Really, yeah, I'm just so glad it, it's helped. Um, has Perkins had any more episodes of, of phantom pain? No, he has not had one. Not one really? since we got the, the blanket. Now, we continue to go. I think it's just a combination of things. But the thing is, is we go every three months for tune-ups. And mm-hmm. um, but this, the time when it started happening was in between a tune-up. Now we can go in between our three months tune-ups, and we're not having any problems. Um, wow. And his twitch has even reduced in frequency and intensity. We haven't had any episodes, wow. but we still have the twitch. It's just less intense and frequent. That's not how I can try to describe that. Yeah, yeah. Our, our dog Wyatt, he um, his stump twitches every now and then, and once in a blue moon he'll jump up from out of nowhere. But it's not as dramatic as some um, situations with, with phantom pain that we've um, heard about. So um, yeah, we have a blanket for Wyatt, and it's there when he wants it. But he's done pretty good. And and you know what I've been told is that pain relief is a it's a multi faceted approach that anybody needs to take really it's not just one thing it's, it's a lot of things it's like what you're doing being proactive and and going to the vet and getting these i love how you call them tune-ups um yeah i love it i love it and and just yeah. being just being very aware of of your animal's pain levels so that you can address them um, and deal with them before it gets so bad that you know it takes a lot to to bring them down out of the pain um, I, you, you get the pet parent of the year award, Holly. I, I love oh. that. <laughs> I, I really well, I don't know do. how you can't see that. I don't know how you couldn't see this episode in any pet if it happened. It's just so intense and it comes out of, mm-hmm. you know, it comes out of nowhere. 
um, it's distressing to watch him go through that, and there was nothing I could do to help him, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but you did. You definitely helped yes, him. Yes, we you know, did. Got him a pair of you and Jackson yeah. are happy kitties now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Nick Starf, um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up now. But um, you know, I just uh, I wanted to, if you could just say uh, something to the skeptics out there. I know that it's a it's a very different kind of pain relief product, and and you know we tell people just you know use you know you need to decide if if this is going to be something you want to try. But but what do you say to the skeptics out there? Because we've you know we just love to hear your take. Sure. Well, with anything that's new or something that we don't have time to investigate or understand, we're skeptical about it. But if we start to hear enough people talking about it, if we see or hear other people who have used it, or if we want to go and read the research and other information from authorities that have investigated it, the, the fabric technology and the issue of high EMF has been extremely well researched by government authorities, university-based research, and this is one of those ironies where, you know, animals have often been used to, to um, identify medical devices or treatments, but in this case, the animals get to benefit from the human trials and evidence of outcomes and results. So anybody who is skeptical, that's fine. Not everybody understands electromagnetic fields, but trust me, with all the devices that are in our lives today, everything from modems to computers to Fitbits and everything that we're wearing and having in our homes, people have to ask, have to ask themselves one thing. What is it? And how do these devices communicate with each other? The answer is these high electromagnetic fields. And you will find plenty of evidence today of authorities investigating this more and more. So if you're skeptical, do some research. The information mm -hmm. will be quite evident. And if you have someone who knows someone who has it, ask them about their experiences. And we also have the research site, fairblock forward slash research, which I think, Renee, you have on your site. And mm -hmm. I'm always available to anyone who wants to send me an email. Oh, well, thank you. Thank, thank you both for being here today and, and sharing your experiences. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Wow, yes. Thank you both very much for your time. Fascinating stuff indeed. For anyone interested, Farablock is spelled F-A-R-A-B-L-O-C. Learn more about Farablock, the science behind it, and more user experiences at gear.tripods.com slash tag slash Farablock. Read more about Holly's experience at perkins.tripods.com. And until next time, join the discussion about life on three legs for dogs and cats at tripods.com. Tripod Talk Radio. Learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts. And claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast. True.